What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Joseph, and today we have a guest on the show. It's about damn time. It's always good having someone on the show. I can talk for ages, but, you know, it's good to have a little dialogue go back and forth. Today we have Austin Barrick back again, basically a regular on the show at least once a month. Hopefully we can get him on even more. I know he's very busy with Syracuse stuff at ZA9 and WAR radio stations. He's going to be big on the scene in a few years, no doubt about that. But happy to have him on. Today we talked about the biggest surprises in the NBA. Obviously, got to get into the Utah Jazz because nobody thought that they would be number one at this point in time. I thought they would be the number one team most likely to get the first pick, not the number one seed in the West. But stranger things have happened, and we go into all the surprises that we've seen so far in the NBA. It was a great episode. I had so much fun doing it. Shout out to Austin, doing great things. And yeah, let's get straight into it. guys we are back with austin austin barrett you guys already know who he is i feel like i don't even need to introduce you at this point because you know you're on like at least once a month once a month at this point how you doing man donnie i'm great thank you for inviting me back on we love the holiday season and uh the nba it's what almost like 20 25 of the way done sneakily yeah um, i know we still got a month more till the unofficial start of the season for the casuals um at Christmas, but a lot of early season storylines developing, and yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's get right into the early season storylines here. On to about the Kings, the Sacramento Kings. You guys been watching my podcast for a minute. You guys know I've been on the Kings. I've been saying they they've been losing a lot of close games, man. But once they start putting everything together, they always had the talent. I've always been a big fan of De'Aaron Fox since he came out of Kentucky. Look at a guy like Keegan Murray, my rookie of the year pick, even though not looking too good right now for that. But, you know, they have talent on that team. And for them to win the last six games straight, I think that's a testament to the coaching. I think it's a testament to the talent on that team. And for a team that's leading the league in points per game in the Sacramento Kings, their offense is legitimate. You have an all-star caliber guard in De'Aaron Fox. I think he should make the all-star game with this roster. I mean, man, Sacramento is good. And when's the last time you really could say that? Like the 2000s, maybe, with Chris Webber, Mike Bibby, all that all that whole crew? Yeah, I mean, I, it seems – I don't know if I want to say they're good, good. Um, I, I'll say their offense is very good. Their offense is is exciting. It's youthful. It's It's got different layers to it. Yeah. It's an offense where I was kind of like, okay, we'll see what they do. And I was really introduced to their offense through the lens of – Wait, the Nets gave up 153 points to these guys, and you know, you know, Dahani, I I love to pray on the Nets' downfall. So <laughs> I I checked that game out, and like 
man, all the new acquisitions are really working for them. Obviously, you're a big Keegan Murray guy. He's yeah. been awesome for them. Kevin Herter getting him from Atlanta. He's got the headband. He plays with a lot of swagger. Malik Monk from the Lakers. You know, they got these good new pieces, new blood, because a lot of the time in the past years, it was like, okay, Harrison Barnes, you're a good player, but you shouldn't be one of our top, like, two scoring options. Yeah, Now he's not. Now he's not. And now you can see how this offense is really blooming. And Fox and Sabonis, I know we can talk about the Pacers and the Halburn deal, but the Sabonis thing is actually kind of working out for both teams, as we were mentioning before we recorded here. Fox and Sabonis, they got it going on. Yeah, definitely. And before we get to that Tyrese and DeMontis swap, essentially, you look at <clears throat> the top six guys on this team, De'Aaron, DeMontis, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, as you mentioned, Harrison Barnes and Keegan, they're all averaging over double figures. Um, Fox being the high man at 25. Um, Typically, when you're the number one offense, you're going to win a lot of games, as we've seen with Boston over the last stretch before um, this team overtook them, right? But defensively, they're ranked 26 right now. So I think that's always a litmus test for when you talk about the good versus the great teams. Great teams historically has always been a top 10 offense, top 10 defense. When you're number one offense, sure, you can score, but you're also going to give up a lot of points as well. I like Sacramento. They're number five in the West. Let's see how long that stays because you have a team like New Orleans, who I think sort of has been underachieving just a tad. Compared to my expectations coming into the season, honestly. I also that... only like one or a half game out of first place, too, right? The Kings? Yeah. Um, let me double check. Oh, up there yeah, one game, one game out. Yep. Yeah, the West is pretty it's a log jam right now. From one to ninth, one and a half games difference. Wow, that's that's incredible. That yeah. It's there's a lot of and honestly, like the Jazz being the one seed and having seven losses, they've lost four of their last six. That's surprising in and of itself. But yeah, the Kings, Dahani, I think they're like, I, I don't know where they're, they're going to end up and what their projections towards the end of the season are going to be. But they're at least going to be a playing team. I know that. I know that. Um, yeah, definitely. I think I forecasted them being good one year too early last year. Or I think good. I just wanted them to be like competing for the play-in. This year, they're definitely going to be at least a play-in team. They got too many good pieces now not to be. And Fox has really elevated his game. Now he's like one of those guys where every time he takes a mid-range shot, you think it's going in. He's kind of become a DeMar DeRozan, or at least whenever he plays against the Celtics. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, there's a lot of good pieces to to this team. Davion Mitchell, we haven't even talked about him. And he's like a 10th guy. Terrence Davis, like, he's been balling for them, too. It's almost strikes me as, like, a college lineup where they just play a lot of guards, and they got Sabonis down there, and then Murray on the wing slashing and Barnes, too. Like, the structure of their team is very interesting, and it's working so far, at least offensively. Yeah, for sure. And we talk about that college-like offense. I think that's kind of why they made that Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis trade. Honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen. Coming out of college, I I thought that Tyrese Halliburton could be a double-double guy, which he's basically doing right now at about 21-10 and a game. But when you saw you had De'Aaron Fox, who you guys paid money, he's he's your long-term point guard. You can't really get rid of him unless you were to make a big swing trade. But at that point, why even re-sign him? 
Um, then you have a guy like you mentioned, Davion Mitchell, and just these guys. It was like, okay, where does Tyrese fit in? He could play the one, but last year Fox wasn't a shooter. That was his. That was his whole gripe early on. He really couldn't shoot it. Now shooting thirty eight percent from three, he's improved over the summer. Give him credit for that. But now having some bonus, who's a playmaker in his own right, a former All Star with Indiana. You give him Indiana swings him to the Kings. Kings in return, excuse me, Pacers in return get Tyrese Halliburton, and now you have a point guard for the future, who's gonna be a double double guy for what the next ten years. Right now, averaging twenty, excuse me, twenty and eleven, and twenty one ten, twenty and eleven on the year, almost five rebounds, two steals, and he's a guy. His jump shot has always been unorthodox. It's always been weird, but it goes in consistently. He has deep range on it. And when you pair him with Benedict Matherin, who he's a guy, man. Also, I, I've talked about Keegan Murray a lot. Dog. Talked about Keegan Murray a lot. Benedict, man, he's just a guy that he looks like an all-star waiting to happen. I think the way he scores the ball, he has certain confidence about him. He's built like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, strong. He's a guy that can get to the paint. He's a three-level scorer as a rookie, and I think you don't see that too often. Um, first year in, averaging 19 points per game on the bench. I'm interested to see if the Pacers end up swinging Buddy Heald for something or maybe just keep putting him on the bench instead of Matherin, but I really like what the Pacers have going on so far. Oh, yeah. like it. I didn't think it was a like a massive surprise. I had it on my list here of surprises, but the fact that it's already working out so well, I thought yeah. it, I thought this year was going to be an experimental year, and there's still a long way to go. But if if their timeline is one year um, kind of expedited, and they they can already compete for a playoff spot this year, that's tremendous news. That's tremendous news. And your point about Matherin is spot on. The fact yeah. that like two years ago, I didn't know who he was. Last year, he comes onto the scene at Arizona. I think there might be something about how him and Albert were both, I think, two-year guards in college. And now they, they enter the league, and they're, like, good right away. They're good right away. There's no doubt about it. Um, and they just they, – they place, like, 19 points off the bench, Tahani. Like, he could be sixth man of the year potential, let alone, like, like I'm, I mean, he could be sixth man of the year without winning rookie of the year. Like, that's crazy. Um, yeah. And Jalen Smith has seemingly found a home. Neesmith's getting little minutes here and there um, or starting for them. Like this is a team that led by those two guards, honestly three, because I, I don't want to put healed like on the back burner because he starts for them. He's productive, but Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton were both high on them. And for good reason, they, they, they are very, very solid, smart, and just very complimentary pieces. Yeah, Pacers winning eight out of two, five game winning streak coming into today. I I like that point you made about Tyrese and Benedict being second year guards. Um, this isn't a college basketball pod, but when you look and you see the point guards that come in, there's always star guards, like the top five, top ten point guards in their high school class coming into college. Sometimes they flourish, but other times they're the learning curve for sure. So seeing that the second second year guards kind of coming into their own and then coming into the NBA with a little bit more polish. I don't know. I think that's very interesting. Um, getting that second college under their belt really sort of develops them, hones in their skills a little bit. Because once you come in college, you're kind of restarting. Like, of course, you have all the same skills, but you're playing in a system. I think 
high school and MBA, you you have a lot more freedom than if you go to a college like and any major high level college. Like you look at Gonzaga, for example, like they have some solid guards too, but everything the Patriots have them hard. Yeah, he's he's tough. He could really play, but when you have Drew Timmy, who's a perennial player of the year candidate, you sort of have to play through him. Yes. It's it's a different game for sure and from college to the pros. Oh yeah, it's it's totally a different game. And I think another team here that's been a team that my expectations for them are are far higher than what they've been so far. The team that we know too well, the Golden State Warriors, Dahani. Uh they're eight and ten. The real storyline is one and nine on the road. What happened to the road warriors? What happened to how that was a thing? Special they were on the road. Obviously, last night they lose by 45 in New Orleans. No Curry, no Clay, no Draymond. But the effort wasn't there. And, you know, I was looking through the game and a play that kind of encapsulated uh that game. And you could you could argue could encapsulate the overall road struggles for them so far this season. 8.55 left in the second quarter. Jordan Poole, who's already been anointed, oh, the next Steph Curry, oh, he's going to lead this Warriors team for the next 10 years. He's going to transition the dynasty. Oh, my God, Jordan Poole. Okay, he's a very good player. He's a very good player. And I know Sam, I was listening to your podcast with Sam yeah. from October, uh, late in October, and, and, you know, he mentioned how I was like, oh, Jordan, I was being salty about how Jordan Poole was awful <laughs> in the finals because he was because he was, you know, he's he's a very quick. Um, he's a very quick player. He's got the hesitation. He's a very good player, very skilled player. But there's this one play last night. He gets picked. You know, he gets stripped by Alvarado while he's trying to pivot on the left block and yeah. go the other way. Kaminga gets tripped up inadvertently. The Pelicans get an easy dunk. Kaminga stays on the ground looking for a call as the Pelicans go up by 21. What happened to this team? What happened to the identity of going on the road and being like, oh, we're defending the title. Let's go like snatch the souls from these dudes. Oh, you think you're a contender, Pelicans? Oh, we're going to show you you're not, even when we're sitting our three best players. No, the culture is just not there right now. I don't know why. Maybe Draymond's not too happy. Maybe that Draymond pool situation hasn't completely re- resolved itself. But this team, one and nine on the road, that, that might be my biggest surprise so far. Yeah, definitely. You talk about surprises. I thought Golden State would be right in the mix. Um, obviously, just coming off a championship, you kind of expect them to be one of the top teams in the West. We don't see a precipitous drop-off this bad from teams that just won a championship. Um, I honestly think the main reason why we see this type of like road woes and just the team not being as good defensively, right? Usually Golden State Warriors in their tenure of being champions from let's say 2014-15 to last year, they've consistently been a top 10, even top five defensive team. Oh, yeah. This year, not so much. Right now they're in the bottom third of the league defensively. Offensively, They're number seven with points per game, 115.7. A lot of that is because of Stephen Curry. That's just how it is. Like, they really don't have that second guy. Yeah, you can say Jordan Poole. Um, he's, like you said, he was kind of anointed to be that guy. They're like, all right, you're you're next up. You're, you're just waiting for Steph Curry to age out the, the Golden State trio, Clay, 
Draymond and Seth. We're waiting for them kind of to age out. And then Jordan Poole would take Seth's place. You have Moody, I guess, would take Clay. Kaminga's thrown in the Wiggins role. Like, you have the, the next guys, right? But that has not gone as smoothly as we thought. But I just want to touch on Seth Curry again because, I mean, 32 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds. I've seen the MVP ladder by ESPN, NBA. He's not in the top five, and I think that's kind of alarming to me. It might just be the record, I, I guess, right now. Yeah, of oh. course. Like, the record matters. Yes, it definitely does. I think Tatum should be number one, and I believe he is last time I checked. Um, you have Luka up there, obviously, just because what Luka Doncic provides, say, his team, he's their whole offense. Um, got guys like Giannis still up there, of course. Um, I'm not sure Donovan Mitchell's still there, but he was a guy for a while during that eight-game stretch. He was an MVP candidate. But Steph, man, 32.3 would be his highest point total ever for a year. I think definitely he's going to keep it up just because his team his team needs it, right? His, their defense isn't at that point where he could just, like, sort of coast, get, like, 24, 25 a night. Clay Thompson isn't the same Clay of old. Draymond isn't the same Draymond as old. You know, it's a transition year for sure. I'm that should be the case though. Like yeah. if you're a Warriors fan, you can't be happy. You I mean, you can be happy for Steph, but I don't think that's a winning formula for him to have to have his career high in points per game just to try to stay 500 on the season. I I don't think that's a winning formula. It's not. And at 34 years old, right? Of course, we're seeing players play until they're late. 30s, maybe even late 40s. I think Steph, he'll make the transition better than most just because his game isn't necessarily predicated on athleticism. He's a shooter, as we all know, off the dribble. I think he can sort of have that Ray Allen type of just go into your late 30s and just like play as a shooter, even though he's much more than just that. I'm not going to label him just as a shooter, obviously. But with Steph Curry, I think he'll be able to last in the league a long time. But again, you don't want him to have such a high usage rate and just play all these minutes, get all these points when you have young guys who should be filling that void. And pretty well, I think they should, especially with Jordan Poole. Like you mentioned before, we saw it in the, in the finals, man. Jordan Poole, when he's on, he is spectacular to watch. He's a guy that can give you 20 a night, I feel like. Even now, I think he's averaging about 16, 17 right now. I haven't checked. But he's a guy, he has all the ball handling skills. He has the shot-making ability. I guess just he's not mentally ready to take that next step. I'm not sure, but it it's alarming for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's there's some sort of disconnect with the second unit, which I guess is speared by Jordan Poole. Yeah, because uh, you know the, the the net rating numbers for some of these second unit guys are pretty alarming. Like you said, Dahani, uh, Poole almost negative twelve. DiVincenzo, who was supposed to be like the um I love DiVincenzo. Gary Payne Jr., like yeah. the Gary Payne Jr. like replacement guy. He's a negative 13. Kaminga uh-huh. negative 23. Wiseman, who I know Sam mentioned could be the 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 the, the Mooney role later on in the season. Negative 24.4 net rating from, from James Wiseman. What are yeah. we doing? We he's like he's in the G League right now. Like, yeah, That's like, how bad he's been. Like, uh, like uh, he was. Again, I I wasn't super high on him entering the season. I I didn't think his agility, his feet, his footwork, or his you know quick decision making. Like you can't just the Warriors' offense is about ball movement and working off a of Steph. And 
to have a young center who doesn't have a lot of experience in the NBA to to force him to make all these quick decisions, quick reads, like that's a tough thing to ask for. And maybe the G League stuff again is is a good thing for him, but man, it's 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 tough right now for the Warriors. I'm not worried about them long term. They're gonna fix. They're gonna fix it. But the 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 top tiers. I thought they were gonna like torch the league this season, and that's yeah. just not been the case. Yeah, no, definitely same with the torching the league. I thought they were going to be way better than what they were. Um, real quick, shout out to Andrew Wiggins. Um, I think that Andrew Wiggins is probably the best, one of the best role players in the league right now. We talk about a starter giving you 18, five rebounds, just top level defense. I'm I'm just proud of him from where he was early on his in his career, kind of being labeled a bust to going to Golden State and playing some of the best defense we've seen on Tatum and Brown in the NBA Finals, and now he's doing the same thing again. So shout-out to Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. What, what he did in the Finals was special. Obviously frustrating for Tatum fans like you and I are, Dahani. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he's much more than a role player. He's he's a very good starter on clearly a, a championship-level team. So, yeah, I guess – Props to Wiggins, man. He figured it out. For sure. And now I want to get into a team that I thought would be kind of in the Warriors' place in the standings. Um, the Utah Jazz. The Utah <laughs> Jazz currently 12-7 and seven on the season for first place. Um, you want to talk about surprises? I was 100% in the camp of let's tank for Victor Wembanyama. I thought that was the plan once they settled, once they traded for Donovan Mitchell, well, away Donovan Mitchell, traded away Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They got all these different pieces that was like, okay, kind of like Colin Sexton. He came off an injury. I liked him in the college. I liked him at Cleveland, but he's going to be a starting guard. I don't know that he had Larry Markkinen, whose career has sort of been up and down. We sort of thought he would be like the next poor Zingas type of guy. That didn't really pan out for the first few years in Chicago. And then Cleveland, he was sort of put at the three-man spot instead of really at the four or five where he belonged. And now he's in Utah. And basically now their best player, I'd say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd say that he's their best player. But Austin, I don't believe in the Utah Jazz, man. I really don't. I, I think this is a facade. They don't have a true star on this team. They aren't going to do anything in the playoffs. They can keep the number one seed for all I care. They can lose a eight, a one eight seed right now. Portland is the eighth seed right now. I'll take Portland in that series. I'll bet money on that series. I don't believe in the Utah Jazz being a legitimate playoff threat whatsoever. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dahani. I mean, look, it's still early, and we mentioned what like twenty minutes ago or whatever how packed the top of the West is. We could be looking up in two weeks, and they could be in tenth place. Yeah. Um they just lose it like three straight games, honestly. So um, and they've already been trending downward a little bit. Um, yeah, like you said, Donnie, marketing's their best player right now. His shot making has been incredible. Uh, you know, I don't know, some there's some sort of these situations where early on in the season where if you're like the third best player on one team and you get traded to another team and it's like, oh wait, look at this guy. Oh, what's this? Is he really good now? Yeah. He's good. He's in the NBA. He's a very solid player, but ideally you want him to be your fourth or fifth best player, not your best player. But we all know the story of the Jazz. They want to tank. We we all saw the memes, Will Hardy and Danny Age being like, 
huh? Wait, we're winning? What is this? Like, we want one of the Yama. It's like, what's going on? Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton's probably a terrible player to, to have if you want to tank because, you know, he's going to go balls to the wall. Yeah, he's very Westbrook-like. He's, he's very yeah. Westbrook-y. Yeah, I mean, this team is starting. Kelly Olenek always has a soft spot in my heart. Game seven, Kelly. And yes, Jared sir. Vanderbilt. I liked him out of college. Nice mm-hmm. player. But if you're starting Kelly Olenek and Jared Vanderbilt, you know, you're not you're not going to go very far. This team will come down to earth like they already are. I totally agree with you, Donnie. They, they, are, they won't be anything special. Yeah, and that Lowry Marklin point, that was that's a key point right there. I thought I sort of think of Jeremy Grant. Um originally with Denver. He wanted mm. a bigger role. He went to Denver. He was sort of that de facto number one guy for them because they really didn't have anybody else. And then of course Detroit, they ended up in the lottery once again, ended up getting Jaden Ivey. And now he's on a Portland team who started the season off pretty well. I think they'll bounce back, but you know, he's sort of like that third option now. I think it's kind of like Dame. Then you have Anthony Simons and then Grant. I think the three, four, third, fourth best guy on the team, that's perfect for Jeremy Grant. A guy who can get his own shot at times. He's a guy that can play off the ball, off Damian Lillard. I think that's a perfect spot. Same thing with Lowry Markman, man. He's not a number one. That's no knock on him. Again, 22-9 and nine on the year. Great shot making. They're doing a lot of pin down actions for him, which at what, like six, six ten, six eleven for Larry Martin be coming off pin downs. That's crazy. But yeah. they're using him as the number one option. I don't think that's gonna work in the postseason. I really think that Phoenix is the best team in the West right now, despite them not having the number one record. Mm. I think when you look at Phoenix, you look at Devin Booker, who's an all NBA guard, you look at the team that they have rather similar team that they've had the last two years. Um, Chris Paul is aging, and I wonder how that's going to play into their postseason success. Maybe he can turn back the clock a little bit for one postseason run, a la Dwayne Wade back in that Charlotte series. I think it was like, what, 2015, 2016 in the playoffs where he sort of had like a rejuvenation during that series. Maybe if Chris Paul can have one or two of those, they can come out the West. Um, Another surprise I, I didn't have this on my list, but just looking at the standings, the Clippers, eleven and seven, considering Kawhi hasn't played yet. I know that the Clippers are good. I know Paul George is good. Um, they have talent, but without Kawhi and the depth of the Western Conference, I didn't expect the Clippers to be fourth again. It's early again. The games behind is only like from one to nine is one and a half games. But for the Clippers, a lot of people had them coming out the West. No Kawhi yet for most of their games. Um, this is this is something. I definitely think this is something. Because once you get Kawhi Leonard back, if he's healthy, they can make a run for that number one seed. Yeah, I, I like the positive spin you put there, Donnie, for the Clippers. Um, because, yeah, they basically just not had Kawhi so far this season. Maybe that should be a larger conversation of concern because you aren't, you aren't going to be a championship contender without him. Um, but, yeah, right now they're staying afloat. 11 and 7. It's been Paul George and that cast of characters who we've we've grown accustomed to there for the Clippers. They're 28th in offensive rating. Not not what you love to see. Um they're second in defensive rating, I think, which is really their their bread and butter. So you would think with when if and when Kawhi comes back, that offense will be better. Um, but yeah, it's basically just been Paul George, you you lead us and then we're going to have all these other guys chip in when they can. 
Um, but yeah, to be where they are now, that's not a bad spot. Um, but yeah, they're kind of just been thrown off the scent for me. I, I kind of just haven't been thinking about them in terms like in, in terms of the top teams, the NBA, because yeah, I just haven't heard from Kawhi this season. Um, yeah, I just when I think of the West right now, I think of you know the Nuggets and and like oh the Jazz are still there and the Suns, yeah, like but the Clippers being right there, that that's if you're a Clippers fan, if you're all of the four Clippers fans that exist, you're <laughs> probably happy with where you are right now. No, for sure. Um, obviously, once Kawhi comes back, he's a he's a superstar in this league. We know what he can do with Paul George as his sidekick, who may be the best number two in the league. I I hesitate obviously because Jalen Brown is right there. Um, Chris Middleton, when he's healthy, he's a force. Although not the defensive guys that Brown and George are, but He's right there for being a number two. He can honestly be a number one. I think we saw that in Indiana for those years. He's kind of he's gotten better since that time. Um, his ball handling has always been smooth. I think now it's sort of like refined where he can truly be a point forward and he can distribute. I've always loved Paul George's game. He's always been a favorite on NBA 2K for me. His, his shooting yeah. ability. So <laughs> that guy. Yeah, so smooth with him i really enjoy watching him play all the time clippers are going to do some things this season i really do i i think that the nuggets as well like you mentioned they have all their horses back and murray and porter jr along with the mvp Jokic. they they, they got some they got some players and i think definitely semifinals bare minimum maybe conference can, final I, ask the year. can I just ask yeah. is michael porter jr good is like, he good like I like okay like we get the back injury stuff, but every time I hear about the Nuggets and I think that they're I think that they're a top contender in the West. Don't get me wrong, but I just think about okay now they got Murray and Porter Jr. back. I think it should be they got Murray back. Oh and yeah they also got Porter Jr. back. This I maybe I just looked too much into the when they played the Celtics, but he didn't scare me at all. He didn't scare me at all. Some of his decision making. I just don't know if his processing speed is that high. And I don't know if he just I is is he a plus defender? I, I don't I think the he should be, right? He, he, he should be at six ten. He has the wingspan. He's young. He's only twenty-four years old. Um he, I'm looking at the schedule right now. When he played the Celtics, I believe he has only seven points. But the game after he had thirty-one points against the Bulls. So maybe that's the Celtics defense working its magic. I don't know. Coming out of high school, right? He was the number one guy. Um, I remember he played on, I believe it's called Mocan Elite with Trey Young. He was it was like, oh my God, how do you stop that duo? Um, mm. very Kevin Durant like um with the the length, the shooting ability. I more likened him to Tracy McGrady when I mm. always watched him. I think just their games were very similar. Averaging 16 points this season on 47% from the field, 44% from three-point range. The counting stats aren't terrible. But I honestly expected more. To be quite honest, I thought he was going to be that number two guy. Murray would be the third guy, but it really? hasn't been that way so far. Yeah, I've always just thought maybe it's because I didn't think so highly of Murray. I understand how great he is, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because how Jokic-centric that offense really is. Um, Instead of Murray having the ball in his hands, the amount that I think most other guards would because they're the facilitators, but... When you have Jokic as your main facilitator, that sort of makes Murray less of a threat on the ball, at least in my opinion. 
And then you have Michael Porter Jr., who's kind of a spot-up slasher type of guy. But, you know, it's still early for him and his development. The Nuggets have a real good shot to come out the West, I think, because there's not one, like, super team in the West like there has been in the past. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, it's it's open in the West. You're right. Denver, yeah, I mean, they're 26th in defense. Um, I was listening to our, our guy Rosillo with his favorite player, Jeff Green, last yeah. week. Um, uh, Jeff Green, I, I like listening to him, but yeah, he he mentioned they just they got to improve defensively as as the season goes along, and that's going to be the key. Um, I'll, I think well, two keys: they got to be better de- better defensively. And Porter Jr. has got to step up his game ten to twenty percent, um, because I'm I, I'm surprised by your take there that that you that you view him, Donnie, as being above Murray in an I ideal th- way. I, I think he has the potential to be better than Murray. I'll, okay. I'll say that. Okay, that that that's fair. That's fair. Um, I do want to mention one guy. I know we were talking about how smooth Paul George was. Shea Gilders Alexander. Yeah. Already, can I? Is it fair to say he's already made the the superstar leap? Maybe not superstar because his team's not winning, and that's that's uh-huh. what we expect in the Thunder. But to be fourth in the league in points per game, sixth in player efficiency rating, this guy's going to make an All NBA team. It just comes down to which one he will make. I yeah. think. Um, but man, his poise is so elite. The shot, and I was mentioning this to Colin Bog last week. When he swishes a shot, it's a different kind of swish than everybody else because he he has some type of release where it just comes down like it's it like floats down. It's like it's it's different. Like I would encourage the the listeners to watch how he shoots and like when he makes shots, they just the end result. I know it's still it's still a make, but there's some there's something different about how smooth his shot is. And overall, even when you think you've stopped him on a drive, he's going to figure out a way to shot fake you or get underneath your shoulder. He has all the angles. It's It almost reminds me of like Luka and how he's able to figure out a defense, even if he's not able to go by you. Yeah. Just being able to use your body and work the angles. He's just such a smart player like that. I'm just, I've been super impressed with his with his improvement and his rise in the league. Yeah, definitely. He's one of those crafty guys, right? You talk about Luka Doncic. Um, Shea, he's not the strongest, most quickest guy, but once he gets into the lane, he has all the pivots in the world to to base you into either jumping or getting to a, like a floater, fadeaway, whatever it is. He has the ability to score at a high clip. We're seeing it now, 32 points per game, seven assists, five boards, a steal, a block a game. I understand he's playing on Oklahoma City who's going to be a lottery team. But All-NBA, you're right on that. Superstar Leap, I don't give him that yet. I, I think he's a star. Okay. For me, my, my qualification for Superstar is just high. That's It depends on who you ask. But for me, Superstar is like, okay, in the biggest moments, you're showing up, showing out. That's why I anointed Tatum as a Superstar from last year because we saw what he does in the playoffs against the biggest matchups. For Shea, I think there's time, obviously. Um, with Oklahoma City, I was of the mindset prior to this year that, you know, maybe sit him just to help the tanking efforts, honestly, um, maybe trade him. I, I still heard trade talks like once he's got on this hot start, I'm like, oh, trade Shea. I'm like, why would you trade Shea? You have an all NBA caliber point guard. 
right here. And then you still have Chet coming back next year. You have Josh Giddy. You have Poku. Like, this team, man, if you talk about just keeping this core intact for the next three years, plus whoever they get in this year draft, um, if the basketball gods fortuitously gives them the number one pick, can you imagine a team of Shea Gillis Alexander Put whoever you want at the at the two guard spot. You can put Lou Dort. You can put yeah. Jalen Williams. It doesn't matter. Poku at the three. Jalen at the four. And then five. Vic, oh my god! Put Victor Wembanyama at the five. That is an absurdly ridiculous team. Um, I want to say that would be if you don't put Jalen Williams there. I think all international players because Shea is from Canada. Victor France. Poku is from I forget what country he's from. And Lou Dort, I want to say he's from Canada too, if I'm not mistaken. And then someone else that could be a all. I think you're right. Yeah, that would be. I don't know if that's history, but that would be pretty interesting to see. Yeah, that international flavor is. Yeah, that's crazy. And also the potential length of that. Of oh that yeah, Josh one. Giddy. What am I thinking? Josh Giddy's Australian. There you go. In oh fact, yeah. Uh, there you go. Giddy's Australian. Yeah. Giddy's got some uh, turnover issues, I, I will say. Um, but yeah, that team. The the hypothetical of that young core is is crazy to think about. Um, and Jalen Williams, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, is yes. very very impressive as well. Um, I know we talked about that during the uh, the summer league show, but man, has he been able to translate his skills over the league as well? Um, so yeah, this young core, and not just you mentioned like forty or the having the fortune to get the first overall pick, but also. If they can have the fortune to keep their guys healthy, in particular Chet, like hopefully, mm-hmm. like that's the last, like this injury is the last we can see of of him of him being, uh, you know, fragile and all that. So him and also, I'm starting to kind of think when Benyama, um, make sure he just the more I see out of him, the more of these three point shots, these one legged stuff, just make sure this guy, you know, doesn't have a devastating injury. Yeah, no, we we've seen that a lot with the big guys, right? Especially once you're topping like seven two, seven three, we've seen it all the time. Yao Ming, uh, Joel Embiid, the list goes on and on. Um, you just hope that these guys don't get hurt because they're, they're special talents, man. Chet, he would be one of the guys in the league that you're watching right now. And with this OKC team, they might be in the play in playoff hunt if they have Chet Holmgren. I think all that he brings to the table. The playmaking that he has, um, Shea might not be averaging the 30-plus points that he is, but I think this team would be better off for it. I want to Yeah, absolutely. It. Look, they're, they're only four games out of the top seed in the West. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen, but, you know, if, if Presti wants to, you know, not shut these guys down and say, hey, let's let's try to get some playing experience here, they they definitely have the horses to make it interesting. Obviously, Golden State's going to go up, and uh, yeah, really the only teams who I could see coming down Utah, and um, maybe like man, maybe the Timberwolves. Like, there's a lot of solid teams out there in the West. Um, so it'll be tough, but yeah, they 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 certainly got a bright future, and, and Shea is a is a huge part of that. So I I hope that Presti does not trade him away. That's for sure. I highly doubt he'd do that. There's too much talent here. Um, Speaking of the Timberwolves, for me, I thought the Timberwolves would be a top four seed, book it, write it down as soon as the uh, season starts. Uh, 
I, I told you before how I felt about Anthony Edwards. I thought he'd take the All-NBA leap, that third-year leap. We saw with guys like Kobe, LeBron, Mello, the list goes on and on, Durant. I thought he would do that. I thought he would be the next, I don't want to say next Dwayne Wade, but that type of two-guard where he's a game-changer, man. I thought 28 points for a game, 6-6. Six and six, And he's kind of been more of the same since last year in terms of scoring averages, 22 points, six rebounds, four assists. The three-point shooting is 35. It's not as great as you'd want it to be. Again, all the talent in the world, Anthony Edwards, got the personality, got the got the dog in him. He's just a dude that you figure at some point he's going to put it all together. He's only 21. He has so much time to improve and grow. Um, The Gobert trade, I thought, would really solidify their defense which is kind of their issue in that Memphis series. In the playoffs, they could score, but they couldn't stop John Morant in the paint. They couldn't stop Desmond Bain and Brandon Clark specifically in that series. They're they're kind of a disappointment surprise this year. Yeah, in terms of Edwards himself, yeah, I think we all we all kind of anointed him as being the next star in this league. Um, and he's, yeah, I mean, 22 points is nothing to scoff at. Um, but the one thing I have heard from him and the Timberwolves is how he just hasn't been dunking the ball. Yeah, I saw and that. Yeah. Lack of dunks is is actually alarming for a guy like him. That that just tells me that he's not being aggressive. He doesn't like the scheme of the offense or whatever. He just is he just getting 22 points just going out there, going through the motion? Like, if that's the case, then like, wow, how talented. Like that's that's super impressive, but like, man, there's more on the bone there, I guess. And I know like a lot's made of him and 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 Gobert, and I, you know, I'm I've never been a Gobert guy, and to see the Wolves at nine and nine or nine and eight, whatever they are, does not surprise me. I I think that they are right in that six to ten range, and I maybe their ceiling is fourth, but. I, I think they're a first-round exit still. You know, I think that dunking thing definitely is because of Rudy Gobert. Because um, obviously he's in the paint. He doesn't have any touch outside. Um, again, the fourth ranking by me, top four seed, I thought that Edwards would take that leap. We kind of know what Towns is already. He's a guy that can get you like 22, 23 points a game, maybe a double-double every once in a while, stretch the floor which is kind of why I thought that this would work, the Gobert-Towns experiment, because Towns really doesn't like to bang inside. He likes to be on the perimeter. Yep. He likes to pick and fade. He likes to come off down screens, catch the three ball. So I thought that would work immensely well, but it just hasn't worked out so far. I'm nearly 20 games into the season, hoping that they can turn it around because Edwards in the playoffs last year, he was something to watch. And I think if he gets the opportunity this year, I think he'll capitalize on it. I really do. Yeah, I, I hope so. He's one of those electrifying players who, who you know, is one of those like box office, like oh, big games happening and he's in it. Like let let's let's see what happens here. Um, another team that's kind of like disappointed me so far is kind of the Heat. Seven Eleven, may do they care themselves as a team who's like won championships? Obviously, they got a great you know foundation, but. I mean, they got like a 
bottom third offense, middle of the pack defense. I would expect that to be, you know, a middle of the pack offense and an, a, a top third defense, ideally for them. Um, yeah. So they got plenty of time to, to turn it around. But, um, man, giving Hero all that money, um, they just, it just seemed like he, the Heat are just one of those teams that kind of runs itself. You know, they're going to be a top six team. You can set it and forget it. And they got work yeah. to do. They got work to do. It's in in this competitive Eastern Conference. And again, there's we talked about this before. There's just there's not as many bad teams. There's not as many bad yeah. teams. Now you got to jump teams like Brooklyn, Philly, Toronto, like Chicago is still down there. Um, like the Knicks are going to be completely average. I like they're going to be a 500 team. Um, but yeah, they got they got their work cut out for them. Um, so like. At, at some point, they're going to have to turn it around. And if they're not a top four seed, then like they're they're not going to reach the Eastern Conference Finals like they did last year. It's just not going to happen. Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland, like these are teams that are just clearly better than the Heat. So they gotta they gotta like get on the gas pedal like right now in order to reframe themselves to be better as the season ends. Talent wise, I think the Miami Heat have too many question marks. I mean. Jimmy Butler, yes, we know playoff Jimmy's a real thing. Once he gets to the playoffs, he can turn it on. We saw it last year. We saw it the year prior. We saw it the bubble year. We know what Jimmy Butler does in the playoffs. This is a legitimate question. Who is their second best player? You <laughs> can you can say Bam Adebayo, and I'll say sure he's he's right there in terms of that like quasi All Star. Maybe in a year where the Heat's good, he'll be an All Star. Um, right now he's averaging 19 a game, nine boards, solid stats. I'm not gonna take that away from him. When you pay Tyler Hero the money that he's gotten uh, this year, he's averaging close to 20 a game, six rebounds, three assists. These guys just don't scream out impact players to me. I don't know if that's just because they're not that type of two way guy, bam, at a bottom more so than Hero. And then, of course, you have Kyle Lowry. And they just have a bunch of other like role players who are good in their own right. Max Struess can shoot it. Duncan Robinson, he kind of fell off, to be honest with me, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. He, he kind of fell off Gabe Vincent. Like, they have guys on this squad, but it just doesn't scream out, okay, this is a team I can see in the conference finals. With all the other teams that you mentioned before, Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston, that top three alone, Brooklyn, if they can find a way to get it together, although that's been a soap opera, and I'm not going to rehash what I talked about with them in the past. But, you know, Miami, they, heat culture is a real thing. I'm not going to sit here and just say it's not, but can culture out outwin talent? I don't think so. And I think they don't have the talent that some of these other top dogs in the Eastern Conference do. Yeah, and I think a perfect example of that culture versus talent, like you just said, Dahani, is Lowry just doesn't inspire me anymore. Yeah. 36 minutes per game for him. What does he do that's good? Like he he just he just seems lethargic. He just doesn't seem like he has an extra gear. And I know you're a huge Darius Garland guy. To me, yep. that's that's like the ties are shifting here. Like Cleveland's got an exciting backcourt and Miami, you know, outside of Butler, it's like and, Nobody scares you on that team, right? Nobody. Yeah, it's, it's like Bam's good, but he's limited. He's limited. Yeah. He's good, that but free he's throw, limited. free throw line and in. That's all he has, really. DHO with Lowry or 
or hero rolls to the basket. He doesn't really have an offensive game outside of 15 feet. Yeah, so, like, honestly, the more we talk about the Heat, Donnie, the more I feel like their record is kind of indicative of what they are and kind of, like, it might be, an, it might be like, a real uphill climb for them just to make above the play-in. Like, they, they're it's no guarantee that they're going to be a top six team anymore in, in my eyes. For sure. And I want to talk about a team you mentioned before, the 76ers for Philly. I thought they would be a top four team automatically, just top three team, honestly, because I didn't see Cleveland being the team that they are. I thought they would be good. I didn't think they would be as good as they are. Although they sort of tapered off a little bit after winning eight straight, they lost, I believe five straight. But for Philly, man, when you have Joel Embiid, who's been that perennial MVP guy the last two years, probably will end up in a top three this year. You you look at Tyrese Maxey. I heard reports that he was like in the gym all summer. At some point, Doc Rivers had to ban him from being in the gym because that's how hard he was working. We love to hear that. James Harden, early on in the season, he was looking like the best player on Philly for some time. He sort of reverted back to that. When he first got to Brooklyn Harden, when he was distributing the ball, but also scoring at a high clip, he can give you a triple-double with ease. That's how Harden was looking. Hope he comes back and plays that way post-injury with his foot. And then the guys they got, like P.J. Tucker, um, DeAnthony Melton, Montrez Harrell, like these are good players that, within the system, they can work. And Doc Rivers, a coach that has been proven to have great regular season success. I thought that was a formula for winning. Right now, they're eight and eight. Yes, they ha- they've had injuries, but I mean, when you have teams like the Wizards above them, I've been in DC for the semester. I went to a Wizards game. Um, hmm. they're they're good. Um, I don't think they're a top five team. Good as much as I love Bradley Beal, as much as I love Porzingis and Kuz and and Rui Hachimura, like they got a good team. They shouldn't be better than the Sixers, the Hawks. Um, they're an interesting team. I've always talked about their top five guys. That's one of the best starting fives in the league. Purely just like on a skill basis. I think they have a really great starting five. The Raptors, they're and they're they're pretty mid. The Knicks, they're the Knicks. And then the Sixers at nine, I think that they definitely can be a top four team, right? Where the Pacers squad is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. The Sixers are, again, one of those teams that I'm not scared of anymore um, in years past. I'm like, okay, top three. I think actually this year I think I might have thought there would be top three. But, yeah, the maxi foot injury is going to be tough for them. Harden's been out. Um, they're a good – they still got to do good defense. They're last in offensive rebound rate. And that that's kind of indicative to the larger point of, like, how much buy-in does this team have? I thought PJ Tucker would inject a bit of, you know, personality and liveliness to that team. Yeah. Maybe not. The, I don't know. It's, it's, it still seems too early to make definitive judgments, but I would like to see more out of them as a Celtics fan. Oh man. I love to see their downfall too. Like they can't, they can't get out of their own way. Honestly, like it's their own doing doc rivers still coaching them. It's kind of hilarious to me. Um, They, they just, Donnie, like, correct me if I'm wrong. It just feels like once again with the Philadelphia 76ers, it's going to be a car crash in slow motion. Yeah. Um. Again, they have all the talent in the world, really. I'm not quite sure what the issue is. Right now, they're 27th um, in points per game. 
108.6 tied with the Washington Wizards. And I mean, with all the guys they have, that shouldn't be the case. Embiid, again, the MVP candidate, Max, he can give you 20 a game. Once Harden gets back, he can give you 25. And then P.J. Tucker, um, Daniel House, George Niang, these guys are shooters. They they should be able to get their shots off with all the attention that Joel Embiid is getting. So I really don't quite understand what's going on here in Philadelphia. Um, for them, you know, the the Eagles, they're they're doing their thing despite losing to the Commanders. Um, you know, they have Philly. Um, the the Phillies, they were doing all right. You know, it is what it is with Philadelphia. I, I kind of hope they'll be better, but at the same time, you know, they got to figure it out. They really do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I tend to think that they won't figure it out. I tend to think that they, they won't figure it out. Um, but, you know, a Celtics fan can't complain about that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my list of surprises here, Dahani. I think I'm just about out. Um, Celtics, we, we don't create turnovers. That's that's kind of alarming. <laughs> um, uh, I'm not really sure what, what the case with that is. Um, I, I obviously Celtics defense has not been locked in this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, besides that, like, yeah, I think, I think that kind of exhausts my list. Yeah, me too. But you know, we got to talk about the Celtics a little bit more, obviously, because what type of podcast would it be if we don't bring up the Celtics? Jason Tatum, the MVP, I'm calling it right now. I said it all year long. I'm going to stick with that. Jason Tatum, the MVP, he's putting up MVP caliber numbers, first seed, best team in the East, all the power rankings. Say that he's the team is number one. I think that once they get Rob Williams back, their defense will be infinitely better because they have a true rim protector. That points per game average will go up because they'll have a lob threat. And honestly, I think it's only a matter of time before their defense really hits their stride because they have basically the same team from last year. Adding Malcolm Brogdon, who can play defense. Um, you have the guys that were there last year in Brown and Tatum, you know what they can do. Marcus Smart, DPOY, Al Horford, still a savvy vet. You have too much defensive talent to not be a top 10 defense. I think probably by Christmas, maybe after that, we'll sort of see them like last year sort of have a second year burst. So it's kind of hard to do considering how great they've been already. Just losing to Chicago to stop their winning streak at nine, unfortunately. Yep. But this, this Celtics team, again, I'm going to keep saying this. 61 season, Jason Tatum MVP championship. That's the expectation for me all year long. I don't think it's hyperbole to say they're the best team in the NBA right now, and they'll continue to be the best team, excluding injury. Whew. Dahani, yeah, your optimism is is inspiring. Um, man, 60 wins, Tatum MVP, championship, oof, all that sounds incredible. Um but yeah, the, the championship won't come unless this defense becomes Celtics defense again. Very true. Yep. Um from what I've seen and you know, I've seen at least glimpses, if not full games, of probably two thirds of the Celtics games. There's just a little bit of attention to detail and a little bit of laziness, I think, the Celtics defense that just gives it middle of pack to to below average. It's just two, they just lazily switching screens or yeah they're just they're not picking up assignments um at at full intensity i guess would be the word i'd say okay um there's just little things that are fixable and i'm hoping that they can flip it back on like they did starting in january of last season 
And that's my hope. And obviously Rob will would be a huge, huge help with that, as you mentioned. So I'm so optimistic. I'm not pressing the panic button on the defense. I just would have liked to see a little bit more effort and and just and just like being locked in more more often, more often. And I and Sean Granny made an interesting point last night. He was filling in for Mike Gorman again. Sam Hauser is not just an offensive player. He's also not bad on defense. Yeah. He said that the ball stops moving when Sam Hauser's the primary defender. I thought that was very interesting because I think that's a case where people view Sam Hauser and they're like, oh, mismatch. Let me attack him. Yeah. And it kind of gets the offense out of rhythm. And like, yeah, like it, anything we can do here to, to you know, be better because like, Smart just hasn't been quite at the level that I liked him to be at defensively. Um, Tatum's been good, but um, there's just – White's been good too. Um, it just a little bit of of lack of intensity, I think, has been the issue. Yeah, like you mentioned, they we have individual defenders. I think it's just that team concept that they sort of killed teams with last year. When you talk about just defensively holding teams to around what one hundred five points per game or something like that last year, like the margin of victory was insane. Boston really couldn't be stopped only by themselves like i'll keep saying this forever they should have won the finals last year if it wasn't for the turnovers i really think the golden state golden state team was not better than this boston celtics team last year wow wow Um, i'm still saying that man because i truly believe the turnovers were the only reason and it wasn't like golden state yes i'll give them credit the defense was good their defense has always been good whenever they win championships but a lot of the turnovers were unforced errors by Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I really think a lot of the time they were driving it in. They were getting stripped, whether it be by Draymond, whether it be by Andrew Wiggins forcing turnovers. Gary but Payton the second. What did you say? Gary Payton the second got Gary in Gary Payton, too. I forget about him. Like They were just stripping them and forcing them into stupid passes, stupid turnovers. And for a veteran-laden team like the Golden State Warriors last year, you could not do that. But I believe this Boston Celtics team would have beaten them had it not been for the insane amount of turnovers they gave them in that series. I truly believe that. I'm sticking with that. And that's ultimately why I believe this team will win this year. They had their they they were gonna lick their wounds. Yep. They understand what they have to do to be better this year. And so far, like you I think you mentioned before, the turnovers haven't been as bad as last year. Maybe they it's been a little bit worse. I, I'm not sure. I haven't watched okay, too many now. We're we're third. We're third best in. Okay, yeah, as I thought. In like giving up turnovers, we only cough it up 13.1 percent of offensive possessions. Defensively, we don't force turnovers, but offensively, yeah, okay. To your point about the finals, yeah, I guess taking care of the ball has been a big improvement. That's that's encouraging. Yeah, exactly. I I say that's because Jason Tatum. He's been stronger. Like yep. he's, he's yep. gotten stronger over the off season. Now when he goes to the paint, it's not like they can just strip him or he's flailing. That was a big gripe of him. He was always flailing into the paint trying to draw a foul. That rarely happens now. I like to see that. Jalen Brown more tight with the handle. They've improved. Yeah, they have. Yeah, and it's it's one of the more underrated things in sports. You always look to talent from outside sources. Just improving from within is is so underrated. And and you know, Tatum, yeah, you're right, Donnie. He's made the big leap. He's no longer doing that off-balance BS that yeah. gets falling away from the basket. He's going up strong. That's been the big reason why 
he's gone from you know here to here and and why it's definitely not unrealistic to think he's the MVP or could be the MVP by the end of the season. So that's encouraging stuff. And, you know, I complain about the defense, but look, this team's only lost two times in regulation, both those times at the, at the United center of all places. So I, 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 you know, nothing much to complain about so far, obviously having the podcast here a day after, after a loss isn't, isn't as you know, beneficial to my spirits around the team as after a mm-hmm. win. But yeah, watching this team play, it does give me joy. And um, we'll be right back. So yeah, one loss doesn't de- de- deter me, but the defense needs to be needs to needs to tighten up a little bit for me to be all the way back in and being being on terms with you, Dahani, where I can say, okay, we're winning a championship. I mean, hey, I'll say this: um, two losses to Chicago, two losses to Cleveland in overtime. They were all winnable games, and you have the MVP front runner and Jason Tatum averaging thirty points, eight rebounds, five assists. I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't. Joe Mazzula, you know, can't complain too much about him. Yeah, so great. Yeah, a lot of these guys have been stepping up. Um, yeah, it's it's been really encouraging. And Brogdon, Smart, White's made improvement. Hauser's been a blessing. Um, so just, yeah, just if we can be healthy and, and get Rob will back, oh man, watch out. Watch out indeed. The league has going to have to contend with these Boston Celtics for a while. Um, Milwaukee's going to have something to say with that. I'm sure, you know, obviously getting Chris Middleton back, they will be a force to be reckoned with. That's going to be a final Eastern conference final series to watch, but you know, it's almost Christmas time, man, you know, holiday season. Thanksgiving's this week. I'm excited for what the NBA has. I'm excited for the NFL, too. We were talking about that earlier with your Patriots playing coming up soon. Yes, sir. Think they're going to pull it out? <sighs> this team's won five of its last six games. Mac Jones is, I was mentioning you off before we started here, he's a game manager. Every Everything that's not third and short is a is a is goes prior to the change. He doesn't pass the ball downfield. It's all short crossing routes. He can't get out of pressure. He can kind of move around a little bit, but he's kind of got that that Matt Ryan syndrome where he just kind of falls when pressure's up his face. Yeah. Um, the defense is so elite. I I I thoroughly enjoy watching a defense play. Matthew Judon, your sacks leader at 13 and a half in the league. Duggar is playing well. Jonathan Jones is playing well. Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, the punt return touchdown for the win. Um, there's so many encouraging signs outside of the quarterback play and the offensive line, really. Quarterback and offensive line and play calling, I'd say, are the three things that I don't like about the team. But winning five of its last six, tough schedule uh, coming up for the last seven games. But if we can go four and three or maybe just three and four, we'd be in a good position to make the playoffs. Hey man, NBA is my sport, but I like NFL too. Go Giants! <laughs> we play the oh, Cowboys. <laughs> no. We play the Cowboys on Thursday. That'll be an amazing Thanksgiving win if we can beat the Cowboys, who destroyed was it the Vikings? If I'm not mistaken, they oh. played absolutely oh. obliterated them. Um, let's see what we got. Let's see what we got on Thanksgiving Day, man. Austin, great having you, of course, man. I love having you on the podcast all the time. I'm going to get to you here for Christmas. We have something in the works for that Christmas Eve. 
trying to get you and a few other people on the podcast. But thanks so much for dropping off for me. Thank you, Dahani. Anytime. It's such a, such a pleasure uh, talking through these teams. And uh, yeah, happy holidays to you and the family and everything. Of course. Uh, enjoy, enjoy Brooklyn here for the holidays. Check out Syracuse. They're in the Barclays Center tonight again yeah. uh, against St. John's. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. All right, that's all we have today for the From Downtown podcast, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm glad to be back. I took a little hiatus, took a little break. School was getting a bit hectic. I've had projects to do. Just getting back on my footing. Thanksgiving break is here, so we're back with consistent episodes. I might change up the formula a little bit in terms of maybe not doing the breakdowns of every game, the recaps day by day. You know, just figuring out a few things, changing it up a little bit just to make it more sustainable for me to get out the best content. I don't want to have anything get stale at some points. So we're going to fix some things up, but I'm back and we're going to get some stuff going, man. I'm happy. I'm ready. Let's go. Until next time, guys. Take care.